Today's episode is brought to you by Big West Marketing. Are you a tradesperson considering going into business for yourself? Or are you a tradesperson who's already made the leap to contractor, you started a company, and you want to know how to build the right website for your company that's going to generate the traffic you're looking for? Honestly, I think this is one of the biggest things that stands in the way of those of us who want to start our own company doing it. Because most of us don't really know how to build a website. And there are websites like Squarespace and Wix that provide you with some tools to build that website, but most of us don't even have the time to jump into that. Well, never fear. Big West Marketing is here to provide you with a website designed specifically for your company. Big West will build a website complete with personalized images of work you've done, your personal information, contact information, and they will develop the back-end SEO that will make your company competitive in the Google searches in your region. Big West Marketing takes care of all of that for you and takes the guesswork out of whether or not you're going to have traffic generated by the Google searches. And because Big West has teamed up with the Modern Electrician Podcast, if you go to the link that we're going to put in our Instagram page and on our website, which is bigwestmarketing.com forward slash Modern Electrician, you're going to get $250 off of the website they're going to build for you. That's right, $250 off a personalized website designed to generate more traffic for your company. What else could you ask for? Go check out bigwestmarketing.com forward slash modern electrician to get your personalized company website built today. Don't hesitate. Make that leap. Go from being an employee to the master of your own domain with the help of bigwestmarketing.com forward slash modern electrician. Go check it out. Electrician, a trade person's podcast, chewing the fat on how to master your craft, speaking with folks who work with their hands, and learning from experience. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite electrician, Doug, here. Welcome back to the Modern Electrician Podcast. Today, we got another Drive Time Live episode for you. These segments are basically uh, our opportunity to capture conversation while we drive you know, to and from projects. Josh and I don't ride together a lot so when we do it provides us with an opportunity to compare notes you know have morning thoughts afternoon thoughts whatever is on our mind and kind of get to the bottom of it so we really wanted to capture these moments and share them with you the one downside is we do have a lot of external noise we're still trying to figure out how to minimize that so if you've got ideas please let us know you know uh, we have considered maybe just filling the entire interior cabin with spray foam and then kind of carving out uh, spaces for our bodies and little peepholes for our eyes, but that probably won't happen for a while. So if you've got suggestions, that's great. Uh, so there will be some background noise. It does get quieter and louder at times. Uh, we are sorry about that. You know, you can you can do this. I believe in you. Uh, in this episode today, we really get into um, like what's your approach to the work that you do. You know, there's a lot of us out there that uh, fell into the trade. Some of us made a choice to be in the trades, um, and we all have an approach, uh, you know, physically, psychologically, and um, I like, you know, we like discussing that kind of stuff, and we kind of compare and contrast modern approaches to kind of how the older trades people were, uh, them old school folk that uh, had their own approach too, so we get into that, um, we get into that old school mindset, and then we really touch on toward the end of the episode the the thought of like is it important to love what you do um you know is it important to make your passion into the work that you do and we really kind of pick that apart and share our thoughts on it and that's about it um these are great opportunities for us to just kind of capture what's on our mind in these little moments and maximize our time josh and i don't uh we don't always travel together but when we do we like to record these so hopefully these are helpful for you or you like them or whatever hey maybe these will just accompany you on your drive and you won't even notice the background noise because you'll be hearing it from your truck too hey that's how we do this together you know what i'm saying so sit back relax and enjoy today's conversation it's the idea of like um the choice like so a lot of people in the trades i feel like we a lot of us have fell into it yeah and you can fall into it either by like you know maybe your dad had a company or somebody in your family did or they knew somebody or Maybe you're just like in blue collar culture, you're raised around every, nobody went to college and, and that you could fall into it that way. Yeah. 
but I do so there there tends to be I think in that culture and I only say this because like I largely say this because my dad and his friends and their culture like I grew up with these people who just complained about how their work yeah and and were not didn't seem satisfied they drank a lot yeah. um and they felt like they this well my dad's different I think because he loves he does love what he does and I think once he got out of cor- the corporate culture he li- he liked it a lot more um so maybe it sometimes it's um depends on the the situation you're working in but yeah. the attitude of like hating it yeah um that's interesting because yeah. it's like if you even if you fell in and you didn't say okay I'm gonna make an active choice to change careers and jump in the trades because I think that's a good move if you just fell in if you don't make the choice to change that and do something else then you are technically making a choice right my uh, my stepdad's another great example he's got that like old-school farmer aura totally, about him totally. like he's like he gets up he eats a square breakfast he reads his Bible, yeah. and then he goes out and he works until the sun goes down. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever heard him complain. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. I like. There's something that is admirable like, about it's, that. It's it's like he understands the concept of chop wood, carry water, and right. no one had to explain it to him. Right. Like he just knows that he he's just putting in his his like service to sure. whether it's society or life or God itself. or yeah. life itself. Right. But basically, it's like he just he works. He gets so much done, yeah. and he's never grumbled or complained. Right. And his work isn't—it's not motivated by, motivated by money. I mean, because he's doing things around his house a lot of times. Yeah. Which he's doing for free, but like their house is beautiful. He, yeah. he bought this house that, 200-year-old house that had had a massive fire in it, so he bought it for like 30 grand or something. Right. And he spent the last 15 years. I mean, it's beautiful. He he hand dug out the foundation. He rebricked the whole thing by himself. They redid the roof, the front porch. He dug out the well house and built a four bay garage behind it. And yeah. They brought in over a thousand load dump truck loads of dirt. To a bring thousand. Up, a thousand. That's crazy. To bring up the grade because yeah. so it, the house is so old that the way they traditionally built them back then is the foundation was essentially they found a massive rock. Yeah. Okay. And they built a house on a massive rock. Interesting. But as a result, the whole yard. It, it sat on this crazy hill, mm-hmm. and you walked out the front door, and it dropped off like 30 feet in wow. any direction. It was crazy. Huh. And that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but basically the front yard was very, very low compared to the rest of the okay. house. So they brought in all this dirt and lifted the, the whole yard up, and it's just. But he does that. He does that, and he doesn't complain because it's like it's is his life and his house and where he's where he plant like the wealth that he's generating for his family so in that sense it's like um it's like soul work it's it's some it's a deeper it's like if you took that innate and i talk about it all the time i feel like i hate the concept of traditional retirement or or winning the lottery or, or any of these things because i feel like you're trying to usurp work. Right. I feel like you're trying, no matter what you're doing, you're trying to get away from, people want to get rich enough that they don't have to work. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think if you want to get rich, that's fine. And you want to use that money for good things and, and have a, a good life, that's great. Yeah. But if you simply want to get rich so that you do not have to work, I think you are trying to, like I said, you're trying to usurp a part of humanity right. that is ingrained in us. Because right. since the beginning of time, you had to work to not get eaten by a tiger. You had to work to have food. Sure. You had to work to have a mate. You had to work to have a, a little shelter. No matter what you did, there was a little bit of playtime, of course. Yeah. You got to sit in the shade. When you found some honey, it was awesome. Yeah. But for the most part... You're working. You're always working. And then even when we moved into the agricultural age, yeah. sun up to sundown. Someone's got to till food. the land. Yeah. Someone's yeah. got to pay attention the to the animals. The only person who didn't have to work was the king. And he's never put in a good light. Yeah, the kings you know? are douchebags. So they're always like, like sad. <laughs> I'm sad. Let's torture people. <laughs> Yay! Cut them up. Yeah. Well, there's this um, there's this great story about um, you know, it's how who knows how real it is, but the story is like there's this old monk that every day for his entire life would gather water from a well, and to get the water from the well was this process that required like his complete attention. You know, if he if he wasn't completely focused on all the moves he was doing, 
he'd lose water, blah, blah, blah. He just had this down to a science. He did it every day by hand. And uh, there's a, per there, you know, at this place where the monk is, this monastery, people come and go. And there's this one guy who's like, you know, he sees him doing this work. And he's like, you know, if we just attached like a lever to this thing and a, and a pulley system, you could, you could get that thing up and down in a fraction of the time and a fraction of the effort. And you would save yourself a lot of time. And the monk was like, I think I'll keep doing it my way because if I were to do it like he's like my way makes me focus on every step of this process and if I were to do it that way I, I might turn my attention from what I'm doing in the moment and it's so simple for a monk to say that yeah. um, but the point is that your work does if you have the right mindset your work can bring you closer to God or your your purpose and it's it's through doing hard things in a focused way with that intention. I think I think what we're kind of getting at is like when you're upset about the work you're doing, or if you're pissed off that you've got to go dig a hole or whatever the case may be, maybe maybe what's missing is this the spiritual side of that. Maybe maybe like to to combine it with something bigger, like Jim does with his home and his it's about his family. And a lot of us do that. You know, a lot of us have that attachment. But well, and I guess I also what I like. And I guess I'm saying that I'm essentially giving some people a pass yeah. to work as much as they want to right. if they've got the right attitude. Yeah, like, I mean, people are going to do whatever the hell they want yeah. regardless. But it is, you do see, you do see real stressed out folks that are like in the midst of it all. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes, yeah. yeah look, sometimes there's no well, avoiding that. Those are people that a lot of times they have to do these things. 100%. Right? Yeah. They're caring for family members that are ill. They're or, providing for a whole family. Totally. Or know. they just created something that, like, look at Dustin with Electrician U. I mean, he, he's created something that is massive, and it just keeps growing. Yeah. And so he's busy as hell because he's just trying to maintain the thing he's created. But also, yeah. we spend enough time with him that I would say he falls into my exception. You know, yeah. He seems to be digging it. Right. Like, he's definitely maybe stressed, and how could you not be? But right. Hey, not once but this is like, this is terrible I know. I'm this, having to work this so is much. something he he created because he loves yeah, he's, what he's doing he's, he's digging it right. so um, I guess I my, my main thing is um, stop complaining <laughs> you know yeah it feels good to complain why does it feel good to complain because it's like you know what here's my first thought is it's you against something else and it it's feels, like makes you the, the victim and you're the one that's it like feels good it feels good to eat an entire tub of ice cream it's your, All right. That's so true. I'm just saying. It's like doing things that feel good aren't always the best for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, working out doesn't feel good. You know, I mean, it kind of does. <laughs> but the there's, there's all these things that we know are obviously bad for you. Like, you know, food's a great example. All, you, you know, pounding down tons of food that's bad for you. That's it's like we all know that's bad for you. But the complaining one kind of slips by. We all kind of subtly do it. Yeah. And so it's kind of this weird inherent. I don't. I, I I think it's. I think it's doing a lot of damage, and we don't know. So. Yeah. Well, there's also like this culture, like you're talking about, how work is this important thing that like more and more people are trying to usurp. I feel like you could mention the you know the youngest the younger generation in this like movement toward like entry level work not being adequate enough for what they believe they're. Um, I, I may be just misspeaking, but they're like standards of what they deserve. Like there's a lot of young people that are like, I'm not working. They are not paying me enough. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know how to do anything. Like what value are you adding to the team you're on? Yeah. And so there is this strange like uh, in our culture, I think especially since the COVID thing happened, yeah. you see this whole like, not everybody, obviously. But, but it's, like, a, well, yeah. it's, it's like treating minimum wage as uh, the end game. Exactly. Like, so no one can live off a minimum wage. And it's like, well, well you're not necessarily not really meant to. Meant to. It's kind of supposed it's to be. It's a starting point. Yeah, an entry point. That's my. Uh, I may have said this on here before, but my older daughter and I have that debate from time to time. Uh -huh. She does believe that minimum wage was designed, and this is a total college-age person's perspective because that's where they are. Yeah. She's wondering how the hell she's going to afford anything, and so her frustration is that minimum wage should provide you with more. And my argument is that you, you've got to be able to add value in order to increase your, your worth to an organization or to whatever you're doing. And if you're entry level, 
what's the you're what's the return on you're just costing them money yeah what's the return <laughs> on investment for the company that you're working for so in in and so it's a, it's a tricky argument because i do think also that it everything is really expensive yeah it's really hard especially we're in, in maryland dc virginia oh. suburbs shit shit here is way expensive yeah so I, I get that point of view, but this could easily devolve into like a back in my day situation. <laughs> but seriously, and we talked about this with young one young Daniel when he was here. Yeah, um, he was trying to figure out how he could potentially move out, and it's like when I was his age, I moved into a house with three of my friends. Right. So four of us rented a house. Yeah. One of the rooms that we gave one of the guys wasn't necessarily even a bedroom. He didn't have a closet. <laughs> sure. So he bought one of those like standing wardrobe things from Walmart. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, he had to pay a little less than us because of, course. of that. But yeah, I mean. Dude, when I was in the Marine Corps, my second, third year, we were given a stipend because we were at the barracks in Washington, D.C. And before, they, they've since built newer barracks, so there's more room. But before then, this was like the only living facility they had could accommodate only the first year Marines coming in. And so for your second year on, you were given a stipend to go live in the city and it was kind of awesome. So all the Marines, we all rented from this one apartment complex where we all kind of lived in the same neighborhood. And at one point, there were six of us living in a two bedroom <laughs> apartment. It was gross, dude, it was gross. <laughs> I had sex in a closet once. I mean, it was gross. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you had to do what you had to do. Yeah, of course. Um, and I get that. And I, I know that roommates are hard. People don't want to, like, have to make those sacrifices. And honestly, that's I think that's why we see more people live with their folks as they get older. You yeah. know? It's like... Which is also something you have to do sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's right, man. Uh, yeah, it's tricky. But I, I think that... I don't know. I think that if you can... Remember why your work's valuable to you, and if you, and if you don't, if you're if you don't have a job that you feel that way about, you know that's okay. Working toward that can be something that gives you purpose. Like I'm working toward it, a career that I feel like is going to be what I want, yeah. and so the direction that you know that gives you purpose. So I feel I think as so long as you're you've got like a dream, even if it's little, like I want to do whatever. Moving in that direction satisfies the gods of the dreams. It like makes you feel whole, even when it's hard. You can look, you can look at that and remember, well, this is for something greater. If you don't have that and you feel like you're just stuck in a rut, I get, I get feeling frustrated about that. Yeah, a lot of that's also um, subjective, I guess. I mean, I think people, a lot of people, look around at what other people have. And that's what potentially ruins where yes. they feel like they stand on their totally, life. totally. So it's man. like you can make it work to be entry level and 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 have a low paying job and maybe be living at your folks' place working for a goal, but then your friend Mike shows yes. up and he just bought a new Audi and he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, regardless of what Mike. his situation is, yeah, he's giving you the Instagram view, which is like a very cultivated view, and you're like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this stupid hard work for very little money? I'm going to go do, try and do what Mike's doing. And you see and Mike's like, got all the girls on his Instagram feed. <laughs> he's TikToking. He's TikToking with ladies, doing dance moves. <laughs> Fucking Mike. Yeah, Mike sucks. Well, that brings up a really good point. I think social media has had a major effect on how people view yeah. their, their worth in the world. Yep. Um, and how so many of us ourselves included like with with what we're doing obviously we're using social media and social platforms to communicate to share the things that we're working on but a lot of times social media gets it's it's hard to look at it because you do see oh this person's oh man they're way ahead of me oh man they've got so many more followers or whatever mate or maybe they're like their company's way different than ours. Man, what do we? We should maybe do those things, right? And that's great too, so long as you keep it in perspective. But I think across the board, you're right. It's like we all see how others are living. It's one of the things I don't like about social media. Is like I'm tired. I want to see you. It's all about people gallivanting. It's it, a it's a gallivanting thing. It flies in the face of of honestly of most religions. Yeah. Like, most religions are going to tell you not to compare yourself to somebody else. Right. Yeah. And there's probably a legit reason for that. 
Yeah, it's like, I mean, it'll it'll definitely rob your peace. It will rob your but peace. But it'll also yeah. like distract you from that long-term mission of going from minimum wage, living with six guys in an apartment. Yeah. To owning your own, owning business. Your own business and and kind of calling the shots. Yeah, and I think that if you you've got to start if you don't start from the beginning. You don't have a story. You don't have a thing to look back on and be like, holy crap, I was living with six guys in a two-bedroom apartment at one point. So embrace embrace the where you're at to start. Yeah. You can only start where you are, and there's no shame in that. Yeah. In fact, that's where we all start from. And so, but social media is a, a major contributor, I think, to depression in this era because folks are just like, well, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not even close to these people. Comparisons. Comparisons. Yeah. The, the thief of your peace, right? It will rob you of that. Absolutely. Don't compare yourself to other people, man. It is. Yeah. If, if you're going to look at what other people that. are doing, yeah. I think the most you can get out of that is some inspiration yeah. or some ideas. Yeah. But if it's anything else, I, I don't know that, it, that it's help, healthy. Well, also, yeah. a lot of times, and I know this is true for, for us, but what other people are doing, even if it looks bigger, better maybe, wouldn't necessarily suit us. Yeah. Like, neither you or I, and I think anybody that listens to our show can attest, are on any sort of fast track to get anywhere. <laughs> like, you know, it's the slow, it's the slow, I, well, no, I mean that in the best way possible, because that's our, that's our brand. Uh, yeah. Our brand is not. Little Brothers, going nowhere fast. <laughs> you know, we want to grow slowly so that it's authentic. Yeah. I don't want to rub elbows with people just because yeah. that's going to enhance our brand. That's not our brand. You know what I mean? Our brand, our brand is take a break when you need a break. You know, Our brand is do what you want to do, set the bar where you want to set it, define success for yourself, and find happiness there. Yeah. It's not, I need to do everything everybody else is doing so that I can be where they're at so I can feel successful. It's I feel successful because I've set my limitations and my boundaries and am existing through there. And for us, yeah. moving slowly is what we're comfortable with. Moving at our pace is good. Yep. We feel like we're in, you know, in terms of the podcast, we're we're taking breaks when we need to, so that we can come back and generate the content that we feel good about. Yeah. We're not just sitting here saying shit because we feel like we got to make another episode. Um. Anyway, I I don't know. I feel like, yeah, comparison's hard, and and social media almost does nothing but. All you're doing is sitting there and looking at other people's lives. Yeah. That's it. You're just you're like a. It's so funny because. Back in the day, stalkers were like a bad thing. Like you, if somebody was like looking in your window, you would call the police. And now we but we make windows for other people to look into. We're like, look at my look at my life. If a stalker had the option to hit like a like button, <laughs> somebody's looking in your window. The person and they, would be like, they, you look out and they're giving you a thumbs down. He's like, he's like well, hey, do you know any friends that could come look too? Like, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> That guy looking in my window didn't like what I did. Maybe I'll change what I do instead of like maybe I'll not let maybe I'll pull the shades and not let that creep <laughs> look at what I'm doing. It's very interesting. It's like social media has like made a stalking culture a real a positive thing. <laughs> like I stalk everybody. You're not getting stalked unless you're extremely funny or have a big butt. That's true, man. That's true. I do wish I had a big butt. Man, our podcast would be killing it if I had a fucking apple ass. You kidding me? Come on. Maybe that's what we should be working on is our booties. Ah, oh, we should be doing squats. Just all booty shots? <laughs> we'd lose we'd lose whoever we have already. Oh. <laughs> For that small portion that listened to this show, we'd lose you. Or we'd, you know, maybe we'd gain a few. A few creeps. Yeah, it's tricky, man. Loving what you do is hard, and, and it doesn't always have to be the thing either. I mean, we, we talked about this recently is like, you don't have to love, you don't have to like be passionate about the work you're doing, right? You could just like be satisfied with the carry wood. I think that chop wood, carry water sentiment resonates with me because it's the simplicity of it. It's the simplicity of the monk in the woods that's like, and, and don't get me wrong. 
that's always romanticized. You know, this idea of the monk in the woods. Or anytime I hear, like, and I may have said this before, like the Dalai Lama speak on a topic such as, like, peace or whatever, I always cut that with the grain of salt that this guy's not married to a woman and he doesn't have children that distract him every five seconds. Like, you know, it's a lot easier to be in the woods all by yourself, chopping wood and carrying water, having deep thoughts about the reality of nature. It's a lot harder having those thoughts and trying to find that appreciation for chopping wood and carrying water. It's ironic water. that it's probably only married men that want that drink. I know, it's so funny. <laughs> Single dudes are like, I gotta uh, find a girl. That's right. <laughs> married men are like, she keeps complaining about how I'm carrying this water. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, uh, have you read the book? Um, chop wood, carry water. No, there's a book called that. There is. Um, by a guy named Joshua something or other. Right. But it's, I wish. <laughs> um, it did make me consider changing my name or oh, start okay. using Joshua. Joshua, yeah. Josh. Uh, my wife was like, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Too late. She has Too no problem with the name, but she's like, nah, that, I, it's, it's stuck. It's in there. Too late for a name change. So um, any new people I meet. I might use it. But <laughs> I'm going to no, start like, calling myself Horace. It's a story about uh, a guy who wants to become an archer, like a, a samurai archer. Okay. And so he finds this guy in Japan who can teach him. Uh, he goes to apprentice with him to learn. And, again, probably a guy who, I mean, he ends up living with a guy for like 10 years. Wow. So he can't be, he clearly can't be worried about money right. or a family at home. Or, sure. or he's just terrible at it. Right. <laughs> And, and that's always an that's always an option that doesn't get explored. You can always abandon your family if you really want to learn <laughs> yeah, how to I've, shoot a bow. I always I'm always blown away by like how people are like Einstein. He did all these things, and then you find out he's married. <laughs> and you're like, how the hell did he do that? Well, uh, yeah, a lot of the greats, you know. Yeah. Um, Towns Van Zandt, you know, wasn't he just a terrible like? He was a terrible partner, right? Husband? I don't know that he was. he a husband? Uh, he might have been. He had a kid, though, right? I, I'm, yes. Yeah, uh, no, no. Um, Steve Earle had Justin Towns Earle, named him after Towns. Yeah, I but he, I, Towns may have had a kid. I don't know that. I thought, yeah, because I thought yeah. he was just like a total bastard. He he was totally a bastard. He <laughs> he was a drunk and... Uh, didn't didn't uh, the, the Buddha, didn't the original Buddha, like, lead and abandon a family to go find Zen? I'm sure. I think that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyways, the story... The guy goes to Japan to learn how to do archery, and he gets there, and the whole idea is that he's learning from this guy, and, like, day one, they're chopping wood and carrying water. He's, and he's Mi like Miyagian. And he's like, exactly. And he's like, well, okay, when are we going to shoot a bow? And he's like, don't worry about that. Yeah. And so it's, it's or it's, it's also the Star Wars story of Luke and Yoda. Mm -hmm. Like, he just wants to learn it yeah. right now and be good at it. Uh-huh, Yoda so, wants to dig through his box of food and eat some <laughs> stuff. <laughs> They're so big. <laughs> um, but so... The idea is, like, the guy has no idea that he's going to end up being there for 10 years to finally learn how to shoot this bow. Right. Um, and so we, we want the results quickly, and we don't want to put in the work. That's that's what that company, Few Will Hunt, that's what their, yes. their whole gig is. Right. It's like everyone wants to eat, but Few Will Hunt. Yeah. You it's, know, so it's about putting in the work, Yeah. but no, nobody, everybody wants the results without doing the work. I know. Well, everybody wants to be an expert. Myself included. Myself included. I see it so, so profoundly in my seven-year-old she's very resistant to being taught anything <laughs> she doesn't like being taught because yeah. you're basically presupposing that she doesn't know something and that's my interpretation of it because yeah. as soon as you start to talk about teaching or something she, she shuts out she shuts down yeah um, so I have I'm, I'm trying to find ways to if I'm gonna teach her something like preface it with hey I'm about to show you something it's only gonna take a minute this doesn't mean you don't know things. Just hear me for a couple seconds. If we're talking about money, or we're talking, you know, if we're huh. counting change and talking uh -huh. about money, and it's like, because she doesn't, she's resistant to it. Yeah. She only likes doing things that she feels like she's already good at, you know, or or it's hard because she'll think she's really I, good at I something already. To that. Yeah, I know. She'll think she's already good at something, and if you make the suggestion that she could change this or that or improve on this and that, she ain't trying to hear that shit. <laughs> uh, so, it's because learning something means you've got to start at the beginning where you don't know anything. And then you've got to rely on other people, decipher what's important, and work really hard sometimes to understand concepts that are foreign to you at first. Feel stupid and, and pull yourself from that and do, and do it for years. And then, and then sometimes years down the road when you've been doing it for long, you're still fucking up. Yeah. You still do a stupid thing or make a stupid mistake or don't communicate something right. It's like... The mastery of, of the shooting the bow and arrow 
it's a lifelong pursuit just like electrical work the longer you do it just the more the better you are the more you know the more of a samurai you are I do think it would be funny if he took 10 years to show him how to shoot a bow and then when the guy finally like is like all right today's the day and he gets excited they go out and he's just like real bad at shooting like and he keeps going wait hold on wait hold on wait wait yeah yeah (laughs) he keeps things like he shoots the first one and it totally misses the target he's like god damn it (laughs) i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) let's chop some more i'm so good at chopping wood now (laughs) (laughs) and the moral of the story is he became a lumberjack or he's like, you wasted 10 years of my life. I'm leaving. He's like, he's like, you can't leave. We're legally married at this point. You can't go anywhere. I'll take half your shit. I've got squatters rights. And that was the scam the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, the samurai has an entirely stocked woodshed. <laughs> Plenty of rations of water. Uh, so, you know, what we're saying here is become the samurai. Manipulate others. <laughs> Teach young people how to do all the work for That's you. That's right. Get yours. That's what the monk's the monk's credo is. Get, get yours. yours. <laughs> Every monk is like, you know, I'm gonna get mine. Namaste. You know, I'm gonna get mine. Uh, that's gold. That's gold. Yeah, I mean, my dad's been working on cars since he was old enough to get inside the you know a car, the hood of a car. Working on his dad. My my grandfather drove stock cars. He raced stock cars. So. My dad was around car culture since he was a little kid, and he, he's probably been working on cars for 50 years. Wow. And that dude's real good at it. Yeah. You know, his he doesn't waste effort because his body's old, so no wasted effort. He only does the things that need to be done in the, in the order they need to be, you know, he, he's a master. But he's, he's one of my favorite kind of masters, which is like, kind of a opposite of what we're doing, which is we're, we're making everything we're doing public. My dad's the opposite of that, where he, nobody knows about this guy, except the people who he fixes their vehicles, or, or somebody that he restores an old vehicle for. He just goes back to the little cabin in the country at night, he watches King of the Hill, drinks Bud Light, <laughs> and then he comes in and makes gorgeous vehicles, and nobody will ever be any of the, any of the wiser that this little artist this little redneck artist lives out here in this little house. Um, he'd be a great King of the Hill character. He'd be a great King of the Hill character. He he kind of is. This little redneck artist. I always kind of imagined he was more. He was like a Barney Barney Gumble from The Simpsons, where he's got this beautiful <laughs> voice, but they found him on the bathroom floor, trying to find a penny. <laughs> a little diamond in the rough. Usually drunk. Um, but yeah, I think that that's like he finds. He finds his peace in knowing that he can do something very well. He spent his whole life chopping water and carrying wood, right? As we yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> chop water, carry wood. Um, and that's enough for him. I think that's another thing that's really hard with today's society and pursuing your goals is like the idea of enough. That's hard to do. Like these billionaires out there, I think they have no concept. Like, how could you possibly use all of that, those resources? And why would you need? Yeah. It's an it's an absurdity in my mind. It's like we need so very little when you really break it down. As human beings, we need so very little, honestly. And the, and the majority of the world, what what is the if you make thirty five thousand, you're in the top one percent of the world's. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. So there are so many people just getting by, and that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not like it's a, the quality of life is amazing, but like, what about the idea when you have enough? Like, you know, most people in poor societies, they know that like, we've got food on the table, my family's here, I've got enough. I've got love, I've got spirituality, I've got my connection to the world, that's enough. And then there are these people that are like, we're going to space, get your cowboy hats on. (laughs) We're going to space. Let's get in a submarine and go to the bottom of the ocean. Whoops. You gotta know when you've got enough. And I mean, True. it's it's different for everybody. You know, your your goals are your goals. Yeah. And if enough for you means having a, a great big company that you sell, then that's great. As long as you know what your limits are, I think you'll find happiness within that. You know, we know we know plenty of people who operate large companies and they're super happy. Yeah. Because that's what they wanted to do. Yep. Yeah. I, th- I just feel bad for folks who feel like 
they're getting shortchanged or something because of the work that they do or that if they society's value of the work that they do isn't held in high regard so they don't hold it in high regard you, you've got to do that for yourself. You know, you've got to you've got to know about the dignity that your job provides you, yeah. and and be proud of it, whether people like it or not. You know, yep. it's seen as valuable or not. You can say that about the trades in our culture. Although it's changing, I think the the fewer people that come into the trades, and the more that leave, it's going to create potentially a real issue where. I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen there. Are our prices going to become? Are we going to be like doctors, where it's like only wealthy people can afford us? Is there going to be home insurance where you can like, if you if you have an issue, you can rely on your home insurance to cover the I guess, repair work in your house? I don't yeah, know. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, yeah, because with supply and demand, we could theoretically raise our prices and yeah. people would have to pay it. But then we talked about how you'll get people more and more people will start doing their own work. Yeah. Or people who shouldn't be doing the work will right. be doing it. And it's already a so, thing. I mean, if you can't afford a, an electrician, it's already a thing, you know? So I guess you could theoretically keep your prices lower and just have more guaranteed work. Right. Your books would just be farther out. And it makes me wonder about... Um, it makes me wonder, and I'd love to talk to some electricians that work for, like... Um, housing developments like what what's the process there like housing developments that are owned by an organization and and low-income families live there like what's the how do things get repaired how do things get prioritized or or do they even it does anybody work in that setting because we don't really work in that setting and how's it done uh is it terrible you know do you go in and it's it, nobody's work you know they're they're if it's anything like a lot of commercial work where somebody owns the building but somebody else occupies it, they don't, they do the bare minimum because because they're trying to make whatever overhead they're trying to make or you know whatever profit they're trying to make, yeah. keep the overhead down. But that it, it's like everything. It's like nowadays you've got to be wealthy to even contribute to caring about the environment. You know, to buy an electric vehicle, which would be you know quote unquote seen as the, the environmentally conscious thing to do, which it's not. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, we, <laughs> That's a whole other It's topic. a whole other topic, but it has its own problems. But to be able to do that, you've got to be able to buy an electric vehicle, uh, be able to uh, maybe install a charging station or be closely in. Poor, low-income families aren't, aren't buying electric vehicles for the most part. Yeah. So it's like there's this whole subset of the culture that doesn't get to experience specific services or like, you know, we're typically working for people who have nice houses and like that's what yeah. uh, Jordan Peterson talks about he's like the, one of the greatest things you can do for the for the climate is get the lowest like like people in poverty out of poverty totally he's like because people who are worried about what they're going to eat tomorrow or if they're going to have fuel for you know burning yeah they don't give a shit they don't care yeah because and why would you you have to survive yeah. So it's like the greatest thing you can do for the economy is lift up the people at the lowest level. Right. Just out of poverty. Man, I, and then they can start to care about the crap that, and you know. It's cultural, too. Like, concern for certain elements of society is, is a cultural thing. Like, I went to my hometown this summer and visited my family. And they're within that culture of, like, for real blue collar. Everybody around you is blue collar. And um, they could they could care less about any anything that has to do with nobody recycles nobody cares nobody's even talking about that and it's not that that's one thing or another i'm not it's not a judgment point it's just that you know when i came back to maryland my wife was talking about conserving everything that we do and i like that about her but i i almost told her hey don't waste your time <laughs> you know we there's a small percentage of people doing that and the yeah. large majority exists in a realm where they just either don't have the they either don't have the resources to care like you said or they're in a culture that doesn't prioritize it. And so, I don't know. That's a whole different topic. Yeah. Saving the world. Yeah. Stay poor, y'all. I don't know, man. I heard this phrase recently. Um, my therapist said it. He, he was like, somebody that he was reading mentioned, or somebody who's giving a speech mentioned that they were, their parents blessed them with poverty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I totally can relate to that, man, because, like, where I'm living in life is no is nothing compared to 
some of the people you'll see like we were saying on social media big houses nice cars all this money you know flying in helicopters to the baseball landing in the middle of orioles you know i'm kidding but my life's a far cry from that but i own my house i own my company I'm, 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 a, I'm far removed from where I started. I was born in a, we were in a trailer park when I was born. I, growing up, I shared my bedroom with my two sisters. Yeah. That'll shape a man. <laughs> you know, you want to, you want to know, wonder why I'm a little more effeminate than the next guy. Try uh, playing Barbies with your two sisters in the bedroom until you're eight years old. You know what I mean? Uh, but I'm, I'm blessed with that because every step of the way, every, every little improvement, is a blessing. I, I'm not rich by any means, but I'm happy. And I think a lot of that stems from not having things and not, you know, understanding what enough is. Yeah. Being being satisfied with what you have is a, is a blessing. Well, and if I can clarify a little bit and kind of put you more back into the poverty camp, yeah. the bank owns your house. The bank does own my house. I do. The bank, the, <laughs> the nicest thing, people you say. You will own it one day. I know. People say banks aren't nice. Let me tell you something. This bank lets me pretend <laughs> that I own the house they own. You, they, to, you you are renting from the bank and you get to do all the work on it. It's so true. Yourself. It's so true. <laughs> it is just a different form of rent. And then when you're done and you and you quote unquote own the house, you don't own the property that it sits on. So your taxes your taxes still are there and they increase, especially where we live. And then at the end of it, if you want to you don't want to sell your home to your children by any means. You want to put your home in a trust and assign and appoint your kids to the trust because if you try to sell your home to the kids and it's accrued interest which it has you're gonna pay they're gonna pay capital gains tax on that so the fucking government taxes you for selling a house that you technically own sitting on land that they technically own it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah it's true one day one day you're lucky yeah. you can have this nightmare i know i feel like the best you can do maybe even is like sell it and and take that money yourself and well, you're, unless you're gonna you pay, put it towards the yeah. house, you're going to pay capital gains. You're going to pay capital gains tax, too. Yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Then there's the death tax. You die. And they're like, yay! I, give me that dead guy's money. I've been taking money from him his whole life. Let me take some when he's dead. Got to declare the pennies on your eyes. <laughs> yeah, they come take the pennies off oh, my That was from Taxman. Oh, motherfuckers. <laughs> At least it's not like it used to be where, like, a dude came to your house and went, like... Was... Like back in the Robin Hood days? <laughs> uh -huh. Sheriff, Sheriff of Nottingham's coming through, poking through your cupboards. <laughs> it does feel like that kind of, though. I don't know. We got it good. I think in, in the States we got it good, um, comparatively speaking. Not everybody, though. I don't know, man. I think the best you can do is to find something that you love to do. Maybe it's not your passion, but it's something you, you, you can wake up and feel good about. You mean for work? For work. I get out of here with that. <laughs> I think so. It's what you do most of the time. Your work's what you do most of the time. So if most, you can find something you feel but good about. See, most people, well, feel good about is different than love. See, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The reality is most people in life can't even find a hobby they love. <laughs> So how are they going to yeah. make money off of something? That's a good love, point, man. Right? It's yeah. like, I don't know. I Maybe something you can you, find satisfaction you wanna talk, in. You want to talk about 1%? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1% is people who truly, and people, and people will say they love what they do. I say I love what I do. Right. Um, I've made peace with what I do. Right. And it works into my life really nicely. Right. But, again, yeah, like if, if I was if I was given the option of not doing what I'm currently doing, <laughs> I would take it. I would be doing something else. Yeah. I, again, I still think work is good for humans. Yes. So I would still be yeah, you'd have to tinkering do around right? my house. Yeah. I would be, you know, like I'm currently... You'd have to do something. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm gearing up for hunting season, so I'm out working on trimming stands and practicing with the bows. So it's like... You still have to do physical work. Sure. But it would definitely be physical work of my choosing. Right. Now I get that you could say, well, that's what you should. That's the thing you should do for money. You should make that. Yeah. But no one is gonna in their. We talked about this the other. No one in their passion is gonna go pick up trash. Right. We need that. That's yeah. a whole, again a whole other topic. Whole other topic. But. Um, I mean, and also doing the thing that you, if there's something you do love. Trying to make money at it sometimes takes the joy out of that. 
I yeah, found I found totally. that with stand up comedy. Yeah. It's it's something we struggle with with even the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like it's something we really enjoy doing, but then when you start thinking about sponsorships and and it's just stressful and it's it kind of takes the joy out of it. Now we're beholden to this company because they need us to do this thing and yeah. just to make money and does that suck the joy right out of the thing you're trying to do? So sometimes doing what you love for money is can bastardize the the thing you love. And yep. it's true. Like how many, you were talking about this before, how many photographers do you know that love photography but do it for a living and end up just doing like wedding photos? That was and, the, well, yeah. that was the advice I was given. Yeah. I was going to be a photographer and I ran into some old dude and he's like, look, man, I probably shouldn't tell you this because <laughs> I'm supposed to like inspire you or something. But yeah. he's like, me doing this for a living has kind of made me not want to do it anymore. Right. So. not that crazy? Do what you will with it. And basically I was like, noted. Yeah. And so I went and became an electrician. Right. You know, what I found that I like most. So, and another thing is like trying a bunch of things is, is helpful because I've definitely done a lot of different things to make money. And the reason I can say I really like what I do as an electrician is, is number one, because I've done a lot of different things and I know what I don't like to do. And this provides me with the alternative to some of those things, like sitting at a desk all day, I can't do it. This allows me to move around. Um, being uh, just given tasks, I'm not great with. I like to develop the skills around, like, you know, so there are those little things that, I, I think, yeah. well, what you just said, kind of, it's, it's between the words, but finding, it's, it's, gra- it's, it's gratitude, it's finding the good parts of it. Yeah, right. It's like, it keeps me in shape, I get to be outside, I'm, I'm putting things together, people are satisfied, I'm helping people, it's like, so maybe it's not specifically electrical work that I quote unquote love. Yeah. But I've found the piece in it. I've found the parts I do like. Right. And I've I've through the years I've found I saw some of those things early on, but it took a while to cultivate the ultimate form of it, which is us owning our own company, working in our own town and like so I took the things about it that I liked the most. And I, I cultivated it like you would a garden, you know. Right. Select, select the the varieties you like the most, and that's where you put your effort. Right. And so also like, accept the things that you don't like as much as part of the the whole. Yeah. And make peace with them. I'm gonna say this: I will never, ever, probably have peace with replacing bathroom exhaust fans. <laughs> I they are my my arch nemesis. Yeah, they're. they're um, crazy. but we do it often. Yeah. And I have to. So it's like, I, I, I've accepted that I have to. Yeah. I would also argue that isn't that love? Like, in, <laughs> in, the, long, in the long term, like, think of marriage. Like, and think of marriage in regards to the electrical trade. Like, when you first started, and this isn't the same for everybody, but I was super into it. Like, I was really, really excited. Go like, on. I, I was. Like, I, ever, I didn't know much about it. I was really excited to learn all the new things. I had this whole new thing to focus on. Just like when you first meet somebody in a relationship, you're like, oh, man, this is exciting. I don't know anything about them. I'm learning all these things. Uh-huh. But then you're married for 10 years or more, and you're like, I know everything. And I'm still learning stuff, and I'm still developing. But, but the things you start to develop are the long game things like you're saying like looking what are the things that are beneficial that i really love about this and what are the things i don't necessarily that don't work for me that i have to recognize as part of the whole yep. and that's real love in my opinion yep. so maybe you do love what you do but you're married to it you shouldn't switch jobs with your marriage <laughs> Well, I mean, if, I know you, a lot, if you don't love it, these days, gonna... well, but these days a lot of people do that, yeah. Yeah. Well, well you can switch companies. That's why a divorce rate's like over 50%. Yeah, you can switch companies. You're well, still doing the thing you love, maybe, right? Maybe not. <laughs> There's some sort of comparison. Maybe it's not an exact It's comparison. in there. No, you're right. I'm yeah. just, I'm... But as you're explaining it, I'm like, it sounds like marriage. It's true. It's true. And it goes from being in love to love. Yeah. 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 Functioning day-to-day love. That's right, man. Yep. Showing that you care. And part of showing that you care in the work that we do is the effort that we put into doing it right. You know, caring about the results, caring about the client, uh, caring about your progress. All that stuff is what makes it ultimately satisfying and, and means something to you. Not you murder, yeah. murder suiciding your business Not partner. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I know Doug suicide. couldn't live without me. <laughs> I knew I knew he couldn't live without me, so I killed him for, first, and that oh. was it. Ah, too soon. Too soon. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard. It's a hard world. It's a hard world. <laughs> Doing really something for curious, a long, yeah. Really curious to see where things go. Me too, man. Ten years from now. Yeah. AI, young people not wanting to do this stuff. Yeah. Maybe there'll be that revival we all keep hearing about, and that fourth turning. Yeah, where maybe. Young people swing the other way and. Well, I think the generation following this one is going to be a hard-ass generation, because this might be the softest generation that's ever happened. It's going to create some. It may some create bad times. Pe- yeah, people that are just like, yo, these guys are. I gotta, I gotta toughen up because my, my dad's wrists are real small, man. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do this. I'm used to the dudes, the guys in my family, the men I grew up with had like bear paws. Their, their hands were big and meaty and. They had like biceps in their in their thumbs. <laughs> this generation's like long, slender keyboard fingers, soft baby skin palms. <laughs> Rip your palm open on a leaf <laughs> if you hold it wrong. I'm sorry, uh, guys. Nobody from that generation's listening to this I shit. I was like, if you're listening, you probably shouldn't be. <laughs> we don't mean any harm. Um, probably just triggered the shit out of you. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see how it goes. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> Fuck these guys. I'm <laughs> the ebb and flow of Doug's mind goes from, oh, we care about you guys. I mean, not really, though, but like, okay, well, well we do. Sorry, guys. Eat shit. I mean, screw up. <laughs> we'll pound sand in a way that works for you that you love. Find peace with screwing up. <laughs> what are you doing to maintain your mental health, you dummy? <laughs> You loser. Piece of shit. <laughs> you don't deserve mental health. <laughs> but do it, do what it takes to get there. For everyone. Oh. Like, I don't know where these guys stand. Yeah. That's what I want. Confu- <laughs> People confused. Uh-huh. That's right, man. All right. That is our episode for today. Chop water. Pound sand. Uh, however you want to say that for yourself. Uh, I just like the phrase. We say it all the time, pound sand. Uh, I think it's like an old-timey way of telling somebody to buzz off, right? It's like, uh, I think the original was, Josh taught me this. It's uh, pound sand down a rat hole. I think that was the original phrase, and it was a way to tell somebody to take a hike. And it just makes you wonder, like, what world did that phrase, what was that like? Because clearly there were enough rat holes to have like a sand on hand for that chore. (laughs) All right, all right. Hey, don't forget to check out bigwestmarketing.com forward slash modern electrician to get $250 off your company's brand new website today. Go check them out. Also, don't forget, we, the Modern Electrician Podcast, have a Patreon account. What's Patreon? Well, it's a place that you can go and become a member of our team. Help us build this thing. Donate to the company. Get some merch. And, you know, just be a part of something cool like this. Hey, first of all, Blake, our friend Blake, thank you so much. Big shout out to you. Blake just changed his subscription to be a major donor of our company. You got some merch coming your way, buddy. Thanks for all your support, man. You know, anybody out there who wants to support us, it means a lot. You know, those of us out there in the trades that, um, you know, learn something from these conversations. If this is helping you and uh, your project grow, uh, just listening to these conversations, we'd love you to be a part of the team. Go over to patreon.com, check out Modern Electrician, become part of the team. That's it. It's my sales pitch for this week. Y'all have a great one. We'll see you next time.